Hello, Dicers. This episode came out a day after Thanksgiving, and I want to say I hope you all had a great many things to be thankful for. The holidays can be tough for a lot of people, and for many different reasons, during a typical year. This particular year, for many, it is even more so. If you are feeling overwhelmed and want to talk to someone, please consider calling the SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357. That's 1-800-662-HELP. SAMHSA's National Helpline is a free, confidential, 24-7, 365-day-a-year treatment referral and information service in English and Spanish for individuals and families facing mental and or substance use disorders. Again, that number is 1-800-662-4357. TumbleDye Games wishes you happy, healthy, and safe holidays. Now, on to the show. Hail and well met, Traveler. Welcome to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Andy Fling. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDye Games, a young company developing a new hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to simulate the arc and tension of a three-act story within the framework of a tabletop RPG. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDie, or Instagram. Faithful listeners, this episode I gathered the three gentlemen I interviewed during this, my month of hosting Threat Dice, and we had a grand old conversation about capturing the stories of our games. We spin a yarn or two as well, for good measure. On a technical note, my housemate has been having to work from home since the pandemic began, and so you might hear a hint of him in the background. Nothing major. Without further ado, I give you Kevin Barringer, Kylan Wigan, and Eric Doucette. Let's take a listen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, how are you? Hello, good evening. And good evening to you. Well, this is wonderful. I've spoken individually to each one of you in the month of November, and now I have you all here. And what I'd like to talk about is a story in your game, the the presence of story, how you capture it, um, how it has affected you in your gaming careers. And I just want to go to each one of you and ask a couple questions. So, Kylan. Yes. Uh, I will start with you. How do you like to uh, capture your story, the story of your game as a game master? Um, How do you like to capture it? Um, How do you uh, maintain its integrity? Sure, absolutely. So I have come to a few different things. I have tried in the past, after the session, sort of writing down what happened, I have tried uh, additionally to sort of retrospectively go back and fish those details out of my memory. Neither one of those has worked for me. And I'm not be and I'm not sure if it's because I'm not much of a journaler or whether it's just that uh if if it goes too long, the details start to blend together a little bit. And 
I no longer trust that I remember it properly, right? And with a role-playing game, it's really important to preserve what the individual people contributed in each scene. Like if if I forget who did what and attribute it to the wrong character, that's almost worse than if I forgot what happened altogether. So the way that I tend to go about it is I have really taken to the virtual tabletop. I appreciate Roll20 very, very thoroughly. Mm. And one of the ways that I have leveraged that is that I have begun creating a quest log for my players inside of Roll20. So I make sure to create entries for any important non-player character that they come across. I make sure to organize those entries by things like faction and by uh, association so that my players have easy and quick reference to what they know to be true. And then on top of that, I have begun to create individual entries for the tasks and quests and questions that they have come across so that they know, and I know, what is currently in progress, what has been completed, and what is still on the table for them to pursue. And especially because I have in the past few years become much less of a a railroader and much more of a, <laughs> a, a GM focused on player agency. It's really important to me that my players know what their choices are mm -hmm. because for, for all the reasons we've talked about, right? It's if there isn't enough choice, the players strain against the, the tracks. And if there are too many choices, they do nothing because they have no idea what the limits are on what they can do. And so I try to split that difference by offering them the quest log, offering them uh, the NPC entries, and making sure that if they ever have a question, the answers are recorded within easy reach for them. And that has been really helpful for me. I, I actually, when we first started Threat Dice, I considered running on Tuesdays a sort of audiobook account of our internal playtest, our, our superhero game, because <laughs> they started around the same time. I tried the first one and the details were already gone. It had only been like a week and I couldn't remember exactly who did what or what happened in which order. And so I quickly abandoned that idea because it just... It was not going to get across the integrity of the fun of that game. Maybe someday. That's interesting. It suddenly occurs to me how fleeting and impermanent playing an RPG is. It's We put all this time and effort and we have so much fun and it's such a great experience. And yet it's so easy to forget the details of it. It's a lot like life that way. Yeah. Kevin, how do you how do you maintain the story from session to session when you're running a game? Kylan is right. It is very challenging to capture every single moment, every every you know every turn, every outcome. So I've actually hired a team of Benedictine monks <laughs> who, who, who listen in on every session, uh, unbeknownst to to the players, and and they scribe um, in. <laughs> precious inks and uh, parchments and 
you know, create a leather bound edition of every session. And, uh, but then actually I have a team of, of, um, modern comic artists who generate a full graphic novel, uh, of, of every, of every session. Kevin, did you win Powerball and just not tell us? (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. In my dreams, it would be very difficult to keep it from you guys. (laughs) I would take it very personally. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I understand. uh, It's been a little while since I've done a lot of jamming honestly but um you know throughout my life and my career i've done plenty and it's always been what do you remember you know you usually get together it's it's, it's casuals right so i've had spurts of note taking and and you know jotting things down and wanting to keep as much record as possible but uh, i haven't been very diligent about it and you know depending on the the players some will remember more some will remember less i have found that what what bubbles to the surface is what's most relevant, you know, is, is the where you know, sort of where you are in the timeline, depending on how much planning you've done, you know, as a GM for the session, for the adventure uh, and, and an arc and that sort of thing. Um, and Kylan, yeah, made a really good point about player agency. And so like, if this is simply toward more toward the end of the spectrum of, of letting the players just wander through a world then it becomes a lot more challenging to know where they are and what's been what's been going on because you don't have any sort of pre-recorded path. Very often it's just sort of a a collaborative memory exercise. Mm. And you know, you get together and you say, "All right, so who remembers what happened last week?" Uh and play you know, the players will generally remember what happened to their character pretty well and they can talk about that. And and that I find as a GM is more than enough to trigger my own memory and it's also very helpful because you see it through their eyes a little bit and through through the player's eyes which may be very different than how you saw it as the gm the previous week so it's actually a really useful exercise because you you get a different take on how they are experiencing the game and the story and very often it gives you an idea of something else that you can do because you know if they're talking about something they liked or didn't like then you know you you can maybe tweak something they didn't like and you know try to drive it in a different direction to make it more fun or you if it's something they really liked then it might open up doors for opportunities it it can create really great role-playing moments so until i do win the lottery I, i i tend to enjoy that collaborative memory exercise uh stylistically yeah i i I agree with you how um seeing it through their eyes can be very valuable as a gm because like you said it can alert you to what's important to them about the story what's important to your players and also i'm afraid if i'm describing what happened last session it's almost a form of railroading where I'm explaining the story as I see it, but that might be completely different from how they saw it. It's a, it's a different perspective. And, um, and I want to keep it as collaborative as possible. That's a good point. As a player though, I I will say I, I do often enjoy it when the GM, when you have a GM who does diligently take notes and, and keep track of what happened yes. because yeah. yeah, you know, because I certainly don't remember everything and, and the GM has a broader perspective. So, um, sure. So it's a little bit like being told a story, you know, it's, it's the recap at the beginning of the episode. That's, 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 I find that enjoyable too. So, you know, it, as long as we, we all sort of 
enjoy it and and you know maybe that there are combinations of the two that are sort of the ideal mixture it can also depend on the group that you have gathered oh yeah um, if if you start a couple sessions with so someone tell me what happened last session and you just get a minute or two of ums and ahs then <laughs> maybe the next session it's a good idea that you're the one who explains what happened yeah yeah, no, that's you got to feel out your group. That's exactly true. Yeah. yeah, and and you know you pick up some techniques as you go, and it's always it's different every game, every session, every group. So it's uh, it's a dynamic moving target a little bit, but that's part of the fun. So Eric, I know you are a prolific session log person. If the listeners have listened to the episode where I talked to Eric, um, they'll know that he's been working in this world for four years, this uh, homebrew world, and you've had records from the beginning, right? You, you've you recorded um, every session, haven't you? I did. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very detailed now, but that's out of habit, and it was born out of that. Um, I've completed what I call three seasons of playing in mid-realm, and, uh, and the first few sessions, I took notes that I put into a log that was really just for my own purposes. And then I found after the fourth or fifth session, it came came in really handy. And then as I had more players join this larger group, I found that, um, you know, in wanting to build the culture of my world, I was also working hard as a DM to build the culture of uh, the gaming group. And a lot of times uh, I do like to start a game session with a quick little recap and and referencing those logs helps me. Um, but in order to do that diligently, I had to get in the habit of the morning after, um, which is usually a Saturday or a Sunday of play. I will, um, I will just get in right in front of my computer mm. and just, you know, right away. And sometimes I, I only write for 15 minutes, but I've been there for like 40 minutes <laughs> um, just trying to read my chicken scratch from the night before, you know, and, and lay it all out there. And truthfully, it's, it's helped uh, inform me as a writer in, in writing about this world and trying to flesh out the world. Um, you know, because of my DM style, I, I like to bring a lot of improv in. I talked about how I like to have a broad outline, but giving the players agency. So there have been many times when I've had a key NPC that I know is going to come into play in the session, but off the cuff, I just create a minor NPC who ends up becoming, due to the actions of, of my players acting out as their characters, they they end up becoming a key NPC. And, and, and having those notes really helps me when it's been three weeks and I'm, and I'm, I'm going back. Uh, I don't know if you got one stands out. I don't know if you guys remember um, uh, Remfield of the Percy's. He's sort of a corrupt town official hmm. in the merchant class, but he's also this underworld boss. And I needed to create one of his right-hand right hand men, a henchman named Randall, who came into came oh, into play that, you know, oh, like yes. literally a year and a half later, right? That so guy. Kylan's character ends up murdering him in a tavern in front of witnesses. You sure did. <laughs> which, you know, I didn't see coming, but I love I finally got him. He got finally him. Finally got him. <laughs> so so Randall 
was, you know, just one of a number of, you know, just henchmen that's standing behind Remfield. And I forget uh, the, the cause of Randall standing out, but I needed to come up with a name and I gave him a name. And then he just form- he, he took on a life of his own. So um, I think there was a, a character, one of my players created a character who married one of Kylan's uh, players who originally started off as an NPC. Yeah, I think it was it was uh, the NPC appeared and my and I failed a saving throw <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, and my character wound up head over heels. You and did. so in instead love. of just allowing that to stay at NPC, uh, my wife from from real life stepped in and we rolled her up as a character and she became a PC, which was super cool, by the way. One of the best things. That is really, really cool. I love that. I love that session. Yeah. So, and, you know, just taking notes, I mean, it's for continuity of story and um, I'm, as I'm DMing, I'm really jotting down the little phrases here and there of the peoples and places and things they decide to do that I may or may not bring into the log if it becomes relevant. And it just helps me in building a larger story. So just to clarify to our listeners in case they're not aware, both Kevin and Kylan have consistently played in Midrealm with Eric. I haven't had a chance to because I live 3,000 miles away from all of them. <laughs> there was one session, your cleric, Jürgen. Jürgen, yeah. So, so yeah, so you are on my list. I have uh, 25 players in this world and 56 characters. Oh, my God. Uh, and I've, I've got it in my, my adventure log, um, their class, their status, <laughs> and uh, the regions they're from. It's, I'm going to lend you my Benedictine monks. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Eric, I know that you are writing fiction in this world, um, and you had mentioned that you you reference your notes. How how much have your your session logs and your session notes contributed to the fiction that you're creating? I would say directly, um, not that much. Not that much. Okay. If I need to make reference to um, a place or the name of a, a place, that's when I've gone into my logs because I want to get it right. And I know we had only played a session where I mentioned, you know, this ancient place or these ancient people. And in that way, it has helped me flesh out the larger culture. Writing the logs, however, has caused me indirectly to continue to want to write. So I will, after a session, write up the log and that might take 20, 25 minutes. And then, you know, I'll go get a snack or something. And then I find myself in front of my computer for two hours writing in my world. Mm-hmm. So it has the it has the indirect effect of of just getting me in the mindset of writing, which really helps me out. So it's kind of a, an inspirational stepping stone to getting back Absolutely. into into writing the fictional world. Absolutely. But when it comes to writing as the DM, um one one thing I like to do is uh, a lot of times I'll hand my players at the beginning of a session a a, a little paragraph that only they read and it informs them of something that may or may not happen uh, or something that has happened out of game that they, if they choose can bring into the game at some point. And that the log absolutely helps me. I, I go into the log when I go to create those. If our listeners are interested in more on that subject, they should go find our episode called asymmetry because it talks about that very principle. You you made that sound like, like it was edited in, like it was a voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Thank God you're here. Done in post, but everybody should know that was that was right in line. That was really that was beautiful. Um, So for me, uh, as far as the recaps, 
from session to session. My players know that the game has started when I say previously on. <laughs> um, nice. And and eventually they get to know, oh, that means he wants us to explain what happened last session. And sometimes I get a variety of different players who who jump in and talk about it. Um, sometimes I've had groups where it's always the same player who jumps in and explains what happened last session. And I often, you know, add in little details to make sure that we're all on the same page. But I do find it very helpful to hear how they would describe what we did last time. And as far as logs go, I do take notes. It's nothing epic. At the very least, I give a, a bullet point explanation of where we left off in the last session so that that can at least kind of trigger memory of where we're going to start in the next session. Those uh, those ritualized phrases, Andy, like when you say previously on mm. um, things like Matt Mercer's, how do you want to do this? Those are those are very powerful. Yes. A and I have been trying to find my own and with, with not a lot of luck so far. Um, but I would like to give a little shout out to uh, an excellent dungeon master who I have been following uh, his podcast, Benjamin from Lawful Great Adventures. Your let's remind ourselves where we've been is just Ooh, fantastic. I really like that. It's kind of like, I mean, it's a more creative version of, okay, roll initiative. Everybody yeah. knows what that means. Exactly. It's a way of saying, okay, we've talked around the water cooler enough. We've joked around and we have all the snacks and the beer ready. Um, let's begin the game. Exactly. Um, it's, it's a great way to get things rolling. Totally agree. Threat Dice will return after this. Are you looking for a D&D podcast for the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old-school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. I was wondering if you each have like a highlight from a game, a storyline that you led as a game master that stands out. Was it something that was uh, formative or, or did it change how you saw the game you were playing? Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Oh man, under the gun. All right. So, so I'm going to actually go with one that's more recent it, that happened in mid realm and uh, it'll also tie in uh, the character Kylan was was referring to how his wife joined the game. And my experience, I, I think the first session that she joined was fantastic. And here's why. Um, I had a character that I'd, I'd envisioned as an assassin. You know, it was a low level character, but he his his goal was to be the best assassin he could be. So, you know, he's stoic and dark and, you know loner type and all that sort of thing and he's he's incredibly charismatic and he you know his his mo is sort of you know being uh, he's a master of disguise and he, he has all these aliases he has lots of different aliases so eric being eric came up with 
a great tie-in for this character and the assassin's guild and you know the the silver dagger i think it was or you know some like incredible incredible detail and uh, a sort of a mission for me like a little hook to for my character to get into the room and start participating and so what he had to do was he he had to go to a tavern of course and rendezvous with somebody there who would give him a list and this list was a to-do list it was it was a ta- list of tasks that he would have to go out and accomplish to earn his standing in the assassins guild uh so 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 he goes he has his his character's name I'm, i can't remember his, the character's name actually eric do you remember the character's what his alias oh was my God. i remember Li- oh 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 lyron lyron yes l-i-r-o-n with an n and this is all to eric to eric's credit so lyron is his alias and so his contact knows that he's got to give this list to lyron meanwhile kylan's wife has joined us and her character is a cleric and she is she she is decidedly going to play this character as a very naive character, uh, sort of an evangelical character. She she uh, her mission is to go out and spread the word of the light, and 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 she's this you know starry eyed innocent, and so she shows up in this tavern. Uh, I forget exactly the details, but she starts introducing herself around, and you know she's she's meeting with people, and and she lets out that her name is Lyra, L I R A. And it's a noisy tavern, so she ends up with the list, uh, <laughs> the, the to-do list, right? So, so my character figures this out. He he can't just kill her and take it. That's not the right way to go, you know. And he needs to keep a low profile. So he ingratiates himself with her and puts on a on a guise of being being a collaborator and and sort of joins the party and um, goes off you know, on these, on, on whatever their, their quest was. And the whole time he's, he, he basically ends up protecting her and having to look out for her well-being because she has this list and he, he can't afford to have it fall into the wrong hands. And over time, he actually starts to like her. Um, he, he, he starts to respect her and, and, you know, her point of view as, as, as innocent and, and, naive and as it is starts to change who he is and he starts to doubt his dark path you know these are just choices i decided to make with the character and eventually he he steals he picks her pocket and he gets the list but he doesn't leave he stays with the party he does a mission or two to sort of stay you know on his path with the assassins guild but at the same time he's trying to protect her in this dangerous world and yeah it just it just changed the whole concept of that character for the long haul and and oh gosh eric i guess this this character's been going for about three years i guess yeah 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 so it's it is a long haul he's had ups and downs and other adventures since then and And, and he's formed a good relationship with whistler and uh, other 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 uh characters and it's interesting from my point of view to see the evolution of the individual characters but also you know the the npcs around them yeah yeah yeah. great so that that was just a great example of you providing this opportunity you know just just a great open door for for writing a character oh thanks man yeah 
for the record, Lyra was not the character of my wife's who was married to one of my other ones. No. Right. We all have multiple characters in Midrealm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two different regions. I'm dealing with a lot of... I got to juggle a lot of people here. <laughs> a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. Eric, what would you say is a is a moment that stands out in your memory? Listen, th- so... This will always stand out in my memory. I had, it was the, the, uh, the fourth session. Okay. I just looked it up. It's February 19, 2017. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, now, now my first, in the first season, we, I only ever had four, four players and four characters. Right. And it was the fourth, um, time we played. And I got to tell you, there was this really tense moment. My characters had crossed, uh, over the Dunder river into the lands of the wildmen and they had been captured and oh. you know the war chief Renor was not somebody to be trifled with and he did not mess around and these my players needed to roll well all right it was a, it was a constitution check so that they would not insult i remember the this. tribal chief okay so so you've got to roll at least <laughs> you've got to you've got to roll at least moderately okay so <laughs> so one of them volunteers to accept this chalice, which was actually wasn't, it was a skull and they had to drink something and keep it down. So, so my, my, the first player rolls a one. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. And we made a wonderful story about that. We all laughed. It was great. So then, you know, as the DM, I'm like, okay, you know, Renor wants to rip this guy's head off, but maybe he, you know, just sort of, I think it was Kevin's character who he, yep. he, he hung upside down on, uh, <laughs> to just, to just sort of like swing back and forth while the other three stepped up to the plate. <laughs> and he said, you know, he's like this, you know, he can't be a real leader, send forth your leader. So another player volunteered and, uh, and he rolled a one. He rolled a one. Yeah. Okay. So, and this is unbelievable. I don't think this will ever happen again. So, so it happens again. Now I got to figure out what other kind of, you know, they beat him up a little bit. Maybe they throw him off to the side. And so I'm like, okay, so, so my third players, he rolls a one. (laughs) And now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, okay, in my head as the DM, I'm like, all right, we're going to do a total party kill here. This is beautiful. This is the end. This is the universe telling me that I've just got to end all of them. Who am I to challenge the universe? But, you know, I just on, on a whim, I want it. So I had one player left and, you know, and of course this is like, over the course of 10 minutes of laughing and, and shouting and standing up. So the last player, uh, uh, I, I forget why, but he had an advantage. I think another player gave him something so that he, so he would roll two twenties and I crap you not. One of the two was a one. Yes. Yes. It was. Yes. Ben, uh, ben, yes, it was. ben rolled a one in the other one and he got by and it was like, okay, wow. So anyway, that stands out and has always stood out uh, right from the beginning. as like one of those moments that just everybody was in rap. <laughs> we are, are, yeah, our characters and our, I think of the players' egos took a while to recover. From <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. You, you, you know, the universe just bludgeoning us. Right. <laughs> I think, Kylan, you mentioned at one point we should look up the statistics of that happening. Yeah. It's, it's very slim. It's very <laughs> slim. The math is just going to make you even more depressed. Yeah. We should actually keep that in mind and, you know, keep that that story handy when when we're playing Roll20 and 
you know, a couple of ones come out or a couple of nat- you know, natural 20s come out and we're just like, oh, it's the algorithm. It must yeah, be. Yeah, we're end. always yeah. blaming the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Right. We, we have to remember the universe sometimes does play dice. But, but I, and it's wonderful because we're, we're not for that, uh, all those failures, then we wouldn't have this wonderful story, right? Exactly. So just for the record, three ones in a row is point zero 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 one two five so that means it is a point zero one and a quarter percent chance the fourth one yes makes it point zero 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 six percent infinitesimal yes i feel like it's more likely that a quarter would land on its side it's approaching that yes (laughs) yeah so kylan how about you? Uh, the one I've been thinking about mostly is actually fairly recent and comes from that same superhero game that I mentioned earlier, uh, our trove playtesting. I think I know what you're going to say. Oh, okay. It was, we'll see. I, I was going through the, the things that stood out the most in my memory from different games I've played, and I think you're about to talk about one of them so we had we have had a lot of really excellent moments come out of this game uh, it's been it's been very surprising uh, my players have continued to surprise me in very good ways throughout when we began this game it opened with them being attacked by a masked villain that kind of kicked their butts and then ran for it when things started getting dicey you know like a good superhero villain so we played for a while and then There was one night where we were missing a key player, and so I had to come up with a one-shot. You know, we need to do a mission that's going to take just tonight so that nothing else is going to happen. So we did, and at the end of this mission, they ended up defeating and capturing the villain from episode one. And when the villain was unmasked, it turned out that, full confession time, I was undecided right up until the moment the mask came off exactly who was behind it. <laughs> nice. Uh, it, it was it was very much a last moment decision, but it turned out that it was an acquaintance of one of the heroes. They ended up capturing instead of killing this villain and dragging him back to their base. And during a subsequent episode, the the hero who was acquainted with this villain ended up talking to him and we spent 25 minutes of that session fully immersed in character role play yeah i wow i became this acquaintance turned villain and he spoke as his character and there was just utter silence otherwise it was just the two of us having this conversation as these people who kind of knew each other and we're on opposite sides a little unwillingly. And there was information to be that, that the villain had that the hero wanted. And it was it, it, it's about the closest I've ever been to, like, acting for real, like <laughs> for, for inhabiting a role that is not myself. Like, you know, I've been role playing for 30 years. Right. But a lot of role playing is rolling dice and laughing with your friends and, you know, for me as the GM, it's it's describing and expositing and all that stuff. I don't get that many op- opportunities to inhabit an NPC like that, especially in such an a close and intimate manner, right? Like 
it's one thing to play uh, a funny NPC who's got a quirky accent or, you know, something like that. But to essentially just be speaking in my normal voice as someone else was a hell of a night. It, it was a very intense experience and reminded me that there are times when we really do get to be these characters. And boy, that was a that was a standout transformative night for me. I don't think I will ever forget that. Yeah, I, rem- I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I'm listening to a radio play right now. <laughs> I've never I've never experienced this before. This is wonderful. It was a lot of fun. And uh, sadly, that that villain did come to a tragic end. But he did so in a way that radically transformed the hero to which he was acquainted. And uh, it it ended up just mwah, a wonderful, wonderful story arc. <laughs> it was so impressive how it went on almost completely unbroken like you guys were in character yeah yeah we were whole thing yeah so andy you were playing you were you were you happen to be playing but your character wasn't involved so you as the player were just sitting there listening i can't remember if this is one of the nights where i was playing or i was observing um because it was a a play test of trove i think i was yeah i was playing yeah you were you were definitely playing that night yeah it was one of the it was one of the sessions where kevin was missing but you were there but yeah, we were all on roll 20, so we we're we were all listening through our headphones wherever we were. And it it's it was seriously like a radio play. It was it was wonderful. For for to cap it off, the the NPC had been subjected to the control of a mind flayer. By the time they realized what was happening, he was he had been taken over. Um, and so he was back at their base wrecking the place while they were off doing something else. And they returned just in, in time to save the day. Um, and and Clench, the hero who uh, was acquainted with this villain, made a decision in the moment. Uh, Clench's superpower is a, a an arm made of nanotechnology, which he had sacrificed during a previous scene. So at the, at the time that this... A uh, beautiful climactic moment happened. He he was a one-armed man, and the villain had also been enhanced with nanotechnology, like integrated with it. And so, as Clench was being overpowered by his his friend turned mind-controlled villain, he exerted his will over the nano machines in the villain, and decided that he would try to take control of them. And he did this in a moment, and I. Because I had previously explained to him that the nanites were integrated with this villain, like they they went to the bone, he did not remember that in the moment and said what he was going to do and rolled the die, and it worked. And in that moment, Clench, who had sworn never to kill anyone, murdered this NPC. And it was beautiful because the player did not remember that that was going to happen. Oh, man. But his character was described as doing things with sort of a reckless abandon and he did and he learned from it and so now we're playing in a sequel and he is changed by the experience and it is amazing yeah and you did i mean in the moment you i think you sort of afterwards gave him an opportunity to to retcon it a little bit i i I feel like you know you were like are you sure um because he owned it i mean he 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 fully he fully supported what happened i know that 
So it's, you know, the whole play again, player agency being very, very important. Absolutely. The player was fully on board with this turn of this dramatic turn. And I mean, yeah, it was right out of a comic book. It was a really good moment. It's it's among that, that arc is among my shining achievements as a game master. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gentlemen, thanks for chatting. This is another good conversation. Andy, thank you for hosting Threat Dice for the month of November. Um, it's been it's been great. It really has. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I hope to throw some more episodes at you to to put up there. Literally anytime. Okay. Thanks again to Kevin, Kylan, and Eric. And thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed Threat Dice, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, Podchaser. Or tweet us at Tumbledye. I'll read any reviews into the announcements on the next session. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may the road ever rise to meet you. Threat Dice is a production of Tumbledye Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond, the interludes are Clockwork, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vince Vept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vince Vept. That's V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. Additional music by Audrey Sitkov and Andy Ray. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Andy Fling. But release me from your bands with the help of your good hands. Gentle breath of yours my sails must fill, or else my project fails, which was to please. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.